I was never proud of the tortilla growing up. I always felt like it was, um, like it was ruining my life. This is Little America, a show about the immigrant experience, one story at a time. I'm your host, Kumail Nanjiani. This next story is set in rural New Mexico, Lake Arthur to be exact. Population 378. That's it, 378. Lake Arthur is very small. Uh, If you close your eyes, you miss it. My bet is you've never heard of it, but 45 years ago you might have. That's when this farming town in one family, in particular, got its 15 minutes, actually more like 15 years of fame, or infamy, depending on how you look at it. Shireen Marisol Muraji introduces us to the youngest member of that family whose life was forever changed by a single homemade tortilla. Angelica Rubio grew up in a modest, one-story house in Lake Arthur. There's probably about 12 small blocks throughout the entire town. My house is the very first house that you see on the left when you cross the railroad tracks. When she was a kid, Angelica's mom, Maria, and dad, Eduardo, they worked a lot. So Angelica spent a good chunk of her childhood in that house next to the railroad tracks alone, entertaining herself. She had a special after-school ritual. First, she'd make herself a bowl of ramen. But not like the good stuff that you see on TikTok. It's more like the stuff from the package that you could buy for like four for a dollar back in the day. Back in the day being the late 80s. And next, to quench your thirst. Um, I'd always have like a glass of Kool-Aid. I used to be obsessed with fruit punch Kool-Aid. And ramen noodles in one hand, fruit punch Kool-Aid in the other. Little Angelica Rubio walked the few steps from the kitchen to the living room and turned on the TV to watch one of her favorite sitcoms. Reruns of Three's Company would come on. The main character, Jack Tripper, is a single dude sharing an apartment by the beach with two single women. And 70s-era comedy ensues. I don't know why I was watching that show, because looking back now, I'm like, it's so inappropriate. But I was like eight or nine years old watching these reruns. So I just remember people knocking on the door like at 6 30 7 o'clock at night while my parents were still out working and me having to like like put down the fork full of noodles so that they could see this tortilla in our dining room angelica knew the drill open the front door Usher the visitors into the dining room and do it all as fast as possible because they were interrupting her ritual I really wanted to see what Jack Tripper was going to get himself into today, and they were responsible for me missing out on all that. They, those strangers knocking on the door, they were there to perform a rite of their own. They came to pay their respects to a little shrine in the dining room. Inside the shrine, a framed piece of a tortilla. A tortilla that Angelica's mom made a decade prior. In October of 1977, Angelica's mom, Maria Rubio, was doing something pretty ordinary when something extraordinary happened. I always say that my mom's the OG of finding things on food. Maria was making fresh, homemade tortillas early in the morning, something she did all the time. But this time, Maria noticed an odd shape seared into one of the tortillas after she finished heating it up on the comal. 
not just a shape, a face, a tiny face in profile with shoulder-length dark hair, the face of Jesus. He even had what looked like a crown of thorns around his head. Maria Rubio was very familiar with this particular image of Jesus. She'd seen it all her life, both in the United States and in paintings and on prayer cards where she grew up in El Barranco, Chihuahua, Mexico. But she had never seen Jesus' face just show up out of nowhere like this. So she asked her teenage daughter, Rosie, if she noticed anything unusual about the tortilla. And Angelica's older sister, Rosie, saw it immediately. Jesus Christ's face. So they woke up Angelica's dad, Eduardo, to show him. Grumpy and skeptical, he thought they were being ridiculous. It was too early in the morning for all this commotion. But then he saw it too. Jesus. On a tortilla. It was undeniable. So much so that they cut off the part with Jesus' face so they could have it blessed by the local priest. It was a thumb-sized miracle, a direct message from God to the Rubio family. But word immediately got out in Lake Arthur. The same day the priest blessed the tortilla, people were lined up outside of the Rubio's home to see it for themselves. Their little miracle became this huge spectacle. First, locals came. Then visitors from farther and farther away. A couple of thousand people came to see the tortilla that first year alone. And 10 years later, after Rosie and all her other siblings were out of the house, the youngest Rubio, Angelica, she was still opening the door to strangers looking for the tortilla. And they had questions. So they would always ask for my mom, um, when did it happen, um, whether or not I believed it, whether or not it could actually create miracles. I just remember just being so annoyed by the questions because I'd been asked them so many times. And a lot of times I didn't know the answer, so I just would tell them whatever they wanted to hear. Angelica was born two years after her mom made the flour tortilla that set the course of her life. And unlike the rest of the family, her parents and five brothers and sisters, Angelica had no idea what life was like before its existence. She doesn't even remember being told its origin story. They never sat me down, like, like sex education or something, and said, well, this is how this works. It was more of just like, this is just what we have. Angelica felt a lot of things about the tortilla, but never admiration or even fascination. If there were answers to all those strangers' questions, she didn't care to find out. I was never proud of the tortilla growing up. I always felt like it was, um, like it was ruining my life. One, it wasn't cool. <laughs> and like, like I was the only kid at school with a mom who made a tortilla with the face of Jesus on it. I can imagine this being something that made it difficult to fit in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, there was this boy who I had the biggest crush on in the fourth grade. And I thought he was really into me. And then one day, I just remember him whispering something about the tortilla kid. And I just remember my friends telling me, like, he's just flirting with you. He's, and I'm like, no, that's, he's making fun of me. And so I just remember being called a tortilla kid just became a thing after that. And it was just something that I just carried with me for a really long time. Being called the tortilla kid 
compounded this feeling Angelica had that she was different. Her parents were immigrants from Mexico. They didn't speak English. She and her siblings had to be their interpreters. And they were also a lot older than her friend's parents. My parents were already in their 40s by the time I was born. And now they're the same age I am now. But I was so embarrassed having them as older parents. And so I always would introduce my sister, Rosie, as my mom. One, because they were older parents, but then also because they didn't speak English. So every time my mom would show up to school to pick me up, I would always say she was my grandmother. Um, And I get kind of emotional, but... Because I talk to my sisters a lot about this around um, being first generation. And there's already so many different things that people have to um, deal with when they're first generation. (laughs) But then there's the added pressure of like having a mom who's famous for a tortilla. I think as a kid, I think it was just like a lot of like a lot of pressure. Growing up, Angelica watched a lot of TV. And she identified with the awkward kids on 1980s sitcoms who episode after episode tried and failed to get in with the cool kids at school, like Sarah Jessica Parker's character in Square Pegs. Angelica often fantasized about her own sitcom life. Hers would be a small town to big city rags to riches type story. She'd still be the girl who was quirky and a little bit awkward, but everyone would think that was totally rad and not weird. Instead, random people kept knocking on her door and disrupting that fantasy. And some of them made her feel more self-conscious than others. When it was like white older people coming in, I always felt more embarrassed around them than I did when I could converse with somebody in Spanish because I knew that they were there because they had, like, faith was behind it, but I Mm -hmm. couldn't necessarily believe that from the white people that were showing up because I just assumed that for them it was more of like like a tourist attraction. Like, they were just sort of passing through. Looking back, Angelica says she didn't really understand race or racism. People in Lake Arthur were all pretty much the same in her eyes. They were all working hard to feed their families, whether they were Mexican or white. But when it came to the tortilla, Angelica remembers a distinct difference between how white visitors and Mexican visitors treated it. She felt like the Mexican people, especially the older women who came to see the tortilla, they were reverent and respectful. But she just didn't get that same vibe from the white visitors. And then, the media showed up. Maybe only God knows if it's possible to find an image of Jesus in a tortilla, but I know for sure it's almost impossible to find Lake Arthur, let alone the Rubio's tortilla shrines. In Lake Arthur, there is no lake and no Arthur, but a lot of Arturos. It is primarily a Mexican- The John Barber show, Donahue, and then my sister was on Oprah. Angelica says her mom, Maria, never turned anyone away, including the press, because she truly believed her discovery was heaven-sent. And she says her mom refused to make money off the tortilla for that same reason. Her mom felt like it wouldn't be right to hoard a gift from God if there was a possibility it could inspire others and give them hope. And those media requests, they just kept getting bigger and bigger. 
Angelica was in high school in the mid-90s when her sister Rosie and her mom went to New York City to be guests on the Phil Donahue show. When my sister and my mom, for example, chose to go to Donahue, they chose to go to it because they wanted to share their story because it was going to be about miracles. And for them, miracles is what happens to people, especially if you're a person of faith. It wasn't that. It was very much people making fun of them. In New Mexico, a family there that saw an image of Jesus in a tortilla. Here it is. It was very much cringy. I couldn't watch it at all and not feel so uncomfortable, mostly because I was just watching like my mom and my sister, especially the Donahue show, watching my mom in the entire hour that they're being interviewed. She doesn't say one word ever except for maybe a few, like maybe one sentence in Spanish that my sister translates. My mom was just so scared. One, she'd never been on a plane, so she flew for the first time to New York City. <laughs> like, she's never seen anything like this. And so for her to show up to this place was really just an incredible, like, task. And then to see my sister, who was so young at the time, pretty much being my mom's, like, manager, publicist or whatever, trying to take on, like, this entire story Every single time I've rewatched it, it's become worse and worse and worse. Yeah, I just wanted to say that although I'm not much for tortillas, I am going to keep a close eye on my potato chips. Donahue was the last time Angelica's mom would go on national television to talk about the tortilla. So when Oprah's people called and asked the family to appear on a show she also wanted to do about miracles, Rosie went by herself. Rosie trusted that Oprah would do better and treat her Mexican-American family story with respect. My sister went on that show thinking that it was going to be told in the way that my mom and my sister had always wanted, and instead, Oprah made fun of it. Oprah keeps saying, tortilla. Let's take a look at that tortilla, she says while the audience chuckles. That's the tortilla, she says again as the camera zooms in on the part with Jesus' face. I just don't know why Jesus would want to be on a tortilla. Now Oprah's studio audience is laughing uproariously. I really don't. It's not for us to question, I know, but why does he want to be on a tortilla? She repeats, making herself laugh. Oprah kept pronouncing tortilla with what felt to Angelica like such disdain. Like maybe it was okay for the image of Jesus to appear on a gold chalice or for his presence to be felt right next to you in a cathedral pew, but on a tortilla of all things? I hope that there's a point in my life where I can sit down with Oprah and and just be like, I just want to watch her cringe at rewatching that because I feel like maybe she's evolved since then. I think she's had time to embrace our food because it's just so delicious. I think because I've always been such a fan, I just never thought that Oprah would make fun of something like this. Do you think your family story is funny? No. No, not anymore. I mean, I don't think I ever felt that it was funny. I think it was funny in the sense that, to me, it just wasn't, it was an embarrassment when I was growing up as a kid. 
college was Angelica's opportunity to leave Lake Arthur behind. She went to school three hours away in Las Cruces, New Mexico, but that wasn't far enough. She was still chasing her big city rags to riches sitcom dreams. So she decided to go to Los Angeles for graduate school. She was in her late 20s, living in the megatropolis nearly a thousand miles away from tiny Lake Arthur, and more importantly, from the tortilla. She was working, she was studying to get her master's degree, living her best life, really. Embracing her Mexican heritage in a way she hadn't back home, and learning to accept all the parts of what made her both quirky and rad. And then, in 2006, the tortilla caught back up with her. I was living in Los Angeles, and I was on my way to work, but I had just read an article about George Lopez doing this movie. A movie about someone who discovered Jesus Christ's face on a tortilla. Not in New York or New Jersey or Nuevo Laredo, but New Mexico. And everyone is trying to claim the tortilla and get rich off it. As if being ridiculed on two of the biggest daytime talk shows in the 90s wasn't enough, now a demeaning spinoff of her family story was going to be on the big screen, co-starring one of her favorite comedians at the time, George Lopez, a Mexican-American, someone Angelica totally identified with. And she was pissed. So she called to vent to the person she was closest to, her mom, Maria Rubio. Angelica usually phoned her mom every night at 9.01 p.m. because that's when her plan's free minutes started. But this, this couldn't wait. We normally would talk at that time, but I, I remember this, this conversation so vividly because I was on the sidewalk on First and Boyle, and I remember calling her, and it was, it was in the morning, and I was telling her about it, and she just real calmly responded, and she's like, Angelica, pero pa qué te importa? Like, why do you care? It's like you've never cared about this before. This was not the response Angelica was expecting from her mom. And it stopped her right there on that L.A. sidewalk and made her think about her relationship to her family's story. She says it was like her mom stuck a mirror up to her face. So Angelica looked in it and she asked herself, was she just as bad as all those other people who made fun of her mom? Was her shame and embarrassment over the tortilla also a rejection of her family and everything her parents sacrificed to give her a better life, all those opportunities they never had? Was she complicit? The answer Angelica settled on was yes. I never really did care. I waited until this beloved Mexican comedian um, made a ton of money off of it. Or maybe he didn't. I mean, he probably didn't make any money off of it because it was so bad, but um, it just seemed like very inappropriate to me for someone who many in my culture admired at the time would profit off of a story that was very meaningful to people. And so that really led me to reclaim, I guess, our story and try and make sure that it was being told the right way and accurately and really giving my mom the credence that she deserved because there was just so many other stories out there that were not doing her any service except for making fun of her. A couple of years after finishing grad school in Los Angeles, Angelica moved back to Lake Arthur, 
She wanted to get into local politics, but she quickly realized she still didn't fit in. She was too quirky and too lefty. She started writing to help her sort out her feelings about all this on a couple of personal blogs. And one of them she called The Tortilla Kid. A little over a decade after the George Lopez movie news, by the way, it was called Tortilla Heaven and the reviews were mostly bad and Angelica has yet to watch it. Anyway, around a decade after all that, Angelica got her first written piece published by a national media organization. It was a personal essay in Eater called Christ on the Comal. I asked her to read part of it to me, anything she wanted. And she chose the section where she learned about Tortilla Heaven. Until that moment, I had taken my mom and her story for granted. I'd been humiliated by it, and I'd spent much of my life perpetuating the same false narratives about my family. An instance that still sticks with me took place a few years prior while working at an internship in Washington, D.C. I was living with some fellow New Mexicans, and one night, as we were sitting around drinking cheap beer and sharing stories about home, someone randomly brought up the quirky story of the Mexican lady who'd made a tortilla with the face of Jesus on it. For a second, I thought about changing the subject. Instead, I said something like, yeah, I know the family. Then, yeah, it happened in Lake Arthur. Finally, it all came out. Yeah, it was actually my mother, and I laughed with them, dying of shame inside while I sat there making jokes, mocking my mother and her story. Recently, a journalist working for Slate reached out to Angelica after stumbling upon her Tortilla Kid blog. He was looking for events that took place in 1977, and he was really interested in documenting her family story. And for whatever reason, Angelica trusted that this journalist, Josh Levine, wouldn't do what Donahue or Oprah or even the makers of Tortilla Heaven did with it. And she agreed to talk to him. She encouraged her family to do the same. Her sister Rosie, her mom, her dad, and some of her other siblings who had never been interviewed before. That became an audio documentary for a podcast called One Year. And Angelica's trust was not misplaced. When she heard the final product, she thought, finally, a national platform was treating the story of her family and the tortilla with respect. What is the real story for you? For me, I, I want people to know that my mom, she is a, is a remarkable woman and that there was a period in her life where she was experiencing a lot of heaviness in her life. I mean, my dad was an alcoholic. They were living in this extreme, um, extreme amount of poverty. For my mom, she just needed a sign. And I think it's what a lot of us are searching for. After the tortilla, Angelica's dad stopped drinking and her mom got pregnant with her. That pregnancy is something Maria Rubio thought of as a blessing. After five kids at her age, being able to carry and give birth to another healthy child. Her sixth, Angelica. That was a miracle. And while Angelica still doesn't believe that the tortilla is miraculous, she knows her mom is. And she's not yet finished setting the record straight. She's not done with this story. Angelica's working on a script for a sitcom, inspired by her life growing up in Lake Arthur with Jesus on a tortilla. She's writing it for kids like her, first-generation Latinos looking for stories they can relate to. And it is going to be funny. But it's for those of us who are laughing with, 
not at her family. When do you think you'll be done telling it? I, I know that my mom has reached a point where I think she's pretty much done with sharing it. Um, I feel like for me, it's still part of my journey. And and I feel like today was a level of therapy. I've, I've had some time to really think about just like my own inner child and, and what eight-year-old Rubio was feeling at the time. And I feel that until I resolve some of that, I guess, is, is probably the time where I'll sort of close that last chapter of this story. Have you ever apologized to your mom? Um, that's a very good question. Um, I, I want to say I have, um, but I think it's always been just in passing. I don't think I've ever really told her like to her face how much I was a part of like the ridicule and the shame and, and that I was apologetic about it. I mean, I don't know if you need to at all. It just, mm-hmm. It's just, I'm just listening to you and I'm just wondering if that's something that's crossed your mind. That might end up being an, a conversation that I have with her tonight at 9.01 because we still <laughs> talk at, at that time. Um, my mom is just, she's such a sweet person. I doubt she's, it's even crossed her mind, but she, I mean, I think it's something that if not for her, maybe like for me. Angelica Rubio is a writer and New Mexico State Representative living in Las Cruces, New Mexico. At some point a few years back, the tortilla ended up broken. No one can agree on what exactly happened, but Angelica's mom still has the pieces, tucked away from the public eye, at home in Lake Arthur, New Mexico, 45 years after she made it. Little America is an Apple TV Plus podcast from Epic, produced in conjunction with the Vox Media Podcast Network. This story was reported by Shireen Marisol Maraji. Our editor is Jolie Myers. Our engineer is Adrian Lilly. Brandon McFarlane composed the show's theme song. Emma Gross is our senior producer. Zach Mack is our showrunner. Nishat Kurwa and Josh Behrman are the executive producers. Listen and follow on Apple Podcasts and watch Little America on Apple TV Plus where available. Season 2 of Little America premieres on Apple TV Plus on December 9th. <laughs>